Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Thumbtacks, the most efficient way to put up anything on your wall. I've tried using nails, I've tried using tape, I've tried holding it up with my hand for an indefinite amount of time. None of them work better than a thumbtack. So if you need a thumbtack, use the ones the Goldcast offer, which are generic, clear thumbtacks. Raymond, before we get started, tell them, where can they find us? You can like us on facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at the goldcast. However, on Twitter, it's at the goldcast underscore. So make sure to add that underscore to to the goldcast on Twitter. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. That way you get notifications on all the latest and greatest episodes as they go live to the net. Bam. All right, we're about to get into this. We're bringing on Hollywood actor, Chicago diehard, Max Marsh. He is returning for another round of some 49ers-Bears reconciliation. And then we're going to talk a little bit of NBA because Max can duke it up with the best of them. Here we go, Goldcast. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. And our special guest, Max Marsh. He's back in the building. What's up, Max? Hey, what's up, guys? Good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. So this is part two of our Bears 49ers reconciliation is what we're calling this episode. It's Bears 49ers <laughs> reconciliation. So before we before we do that though, before we even get into that, uh, I got to tell you guys about a conversation I was having with uh, our esteemed invisible member, our fa- my brother and I's father, Rudy Sleece uh, Jr. And we I call it a deal with the devil. And so. Every year, for every time, because you know we've been pretty lucky in San Francisco, and you know we pretty much have been winning a championship somewhere almost every year for this entire decade. If we don't win it, we're at least in the finals in one of the major three sports. And so this tradition started after we lost the 2012 uh, Super Bowl, which is which is the worst sporting experience of my entire life. That was <laughs> the the worst thing I've ever gone through. Was losing it doesn't even exist in my mind. Yeah, it was. I mean, we, I've told the story before on here, Max. I'll tell you the story another day. We'll talk about that on another day. Uh, losing the Super Bowl, but about just what a horrific seventy-two hours it was from the moment we lost to like Wednesday of that week was probably the worst three days of my life. But <laughs> it's so bad. You have no idea. It's so bad. Well, yeah, I, I subconsciously blacked that out just to protect myself from like you know post-traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't watch sports. I didn't watch sports till June of that year. So from, from the moment we lost, I didn't even watch a single. Every time ESPN was on, I changed channel. Till till June of that year. That's when I went back. Yeah, it was rough. Jesus. Yeah, it was rough. So okay, so we, I call it deal with the devil. So after we lost the 2012 World Series, I remember asking. My father, I asked our father, I said, Hey, would you give back the last two World Series rings just to get our one Super Bowl ring back? And my dad said, Yeah, without question, no way, I'd give them back. And then 
Ray, would you give him back after the 2012? Just to say, just rewind yourself back to 2012. We only won two World Series rings. Would you give them back for the Super Bowl at that time period? Put yourself in the frame of mind of that era. Mm, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, so then, then at, at 2014, I remember I asked my dad, would you give back all three of these World Series rings to get our one Super Bowl ring, our sixth ring, which would tie us with Pittsburgh, put us at the top of the food chain, and now we'd be able to say there are only two teams that rest atop the entire NFL as the two greatest football franchises of all time, the most winning Super Bowl teams ever to play the game. Would you give up these three rings, which officially with defeating Kansas, this is now a dynasty, would you give them up? My dad said, I'd give them up. I'd still get him. <laughs> and I said, me too. Me too. So then, Ray, would you give him up then? The three now? Probably. It'd be a tough pill to swallow. But if if I could do it and then, you know, you give him up, but then you kind of erase that whole run, you know, then it, I think it's all right. Because then it's like, oh, wait, well, we never won three because we got a Niners championship. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess like the de- the the deal is that is the devil has to erase your mind. You don't you never knew it. like yes, Giants yes, don't even make, exactly. they don't either make the playoffs or they lose in the first round or they don't even make the playoffs or something. Something like that. Okay. Okay. So then now the third then I came back and I was like would you give up man we're going to like half the half, if you don't agree or if you do agree Goldcast Goldcast Nation 49er faithful Dub Na- Dub Nation all of our Giants fans, if you agree or disagree, I really want to hear in the comments if you agree or disagree with this. If you're a diehard Niner fan, I really especially want to hear from you. But, okay, so then the next one, after the Warriors won their first championship, I went back to our father with the deal from the devil. And I was like, deal from the devil. You're at the crossroads. You're at the crossroads, and he's sitting there, and he's got the four rings in one hand, and he's got the one ring in the other. Would you trade it? And then even then, our dad said yes. <laughs> Raymond, would you say yes at the crossroads? You're at the crossroads right there. You don't want to learn how to play guitar. You just want to get rings. Would you give up the four? I give think, up all four? Yeah, I think I remember your answer to this. But tell, tell the gold cast. And I don't even remember my answer. I think I – well, what's your answer now? Um, so no, that's a tough one. I'm really enjoying the Warriors run. Yeah, yeah. Now it's tough, right? Because now it's like, well, you know, it's just three. It's it's baseball. We all love baseball, but you know, it's. It... I would do it on the condition that they that they don't lose the following year in the seventy three nine run. Ah, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, right, man. Give up the first one. Okay. All right. So but then we get the glory one. Okay. All right, so then let's go. Let's fast forward. I just had this conversation again with our father because it looks like we are on the verge of probably going to our third finals, which will become our seventh appearance in seven years in one of the three major sports. One Super Bowl, three World Series, and now three NBA finals, right? I mean, this is the greatest era for overall 
Area sports that we've ever had. The greatest era for San Francisco sports. I mean, Warriors are coming back to SF in twenty in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, right? Uh, I think next within the next two years. Yeah, maybe it's the, maybe it's nineteen, maybe around the same time. Like they've already broke ground in Mission Bay, so the stadiums, you know, being constructed as we speak. Yeah, it's being constructed as we speak right now. So okay, so I had this conversation again. I said, okay, now if we win. This this one, right? If we if we win this one, do you make a deal with the devil at the crossroads? And he goes, you now have to give up three World Series rings, two Warriors rings to get to get the 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 49ers one Super Bowl back. And that 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 was when the broke dad. He said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it now. I can't. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, I think now we're sacrificing way too much. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now I ask you, Max, put put yourself in this position. Like, uh, what what do you think about what do you think about this deal about the devil? And where would you where would you stop the line? And would you even stop the line? Or would you be like, no way? All, every championship is worth what it is. Or would you go well, like to get back, let's say the two thousand Bears one, or or. Or to or to get the Chicago Cubs one earlier or at a different time when you know when they lost uh, the the game with uh, with the fan uh, with your guys' fan what's his name Bartman yeah yeah, yeah the Bartman Bar- yeah the Bartman yeah the Bartman game like what would you give up or where do you think is enough is enough for the San Francisco the San Francisco Giants uh, the San Francisco deal the deal with the devil tell me what you think about it. Uh- well, I would uh, I would give up every single Blackhawks championship uh, for for and for literally a, a, an appearance, another Bears appearance in a Super Bowl. I don't give a shit about those, uh, <laughs> but um, but I do I do think that there's like a, a that there's a point. I mean, you I I I wouldn't give up anything for the Cubs World Series. Wouldn't give up anything. Um, but I think and I think it's hard because I've I. I you know, I haven't really gotten close. I would give up a lot for a Derrick Rose no ACL tear. I would give up a lot for that. That would uh, that that would probably be a good one. I would give up a lot for no, Derrick Rose not tearing an ACL. God, who that's 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 probably the greatest what if question of uh, one one. Of, I think the two biggest what if questions that coming out of like maybe the last ten years of basketball, I'd say Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose doesn't tear his ACL. They never trade away James Harden from OKC. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's dangerous. So what would you guys you... wouldn't have? Go ahead. You guys, you guys absolutely would not have Durant if Harden was still there. That'd be insane. That mm-hmm. I don't even know what I would do. That three-headed monster. Of course, no, everyone would have the ball a hundred percent of the time. No one else would ever touch the ball. But and Derek... yeah, you have like, well, Harden has is now a more legitimate point guard, even though him, him and um, Westbrook are both really good distributors this year. The only difference is Harden actually makes his team better, whereas Westbrook still can't make anybody better. Ooh, no, no I think that's that's it's. I think it's hard. It's it's. I mean, I, I give Harden a lot of credit too because I can't believe that in his first year at point guard, he led the league in assists. That's that's that doesn't make any sense. That's that's unreal. Ooh. That that I'll never get that. Because I think he he understood the role better than when West than than West when Westbrook was uh, with KD. Because <clears throat> I think yeah. Westbrook leaned on KD more, and he kind of fed off of him. And then when KD left, he his assists increased because he had to spread the ball out because he didn't have one guy that could just dominate the way KD does. 
Yeah, no, it's it, and I think especially, I mean, both their turnover rates are unbelievably high, though, too. Mm-hmm. They both mm-hmm. freak out in the turnover rate. It's not like they're Chris Paul out there, you know, being extremely efficient or anything. But you know, I think it. I think the new era of the NBA has really changed that assisted turnover rate. I think it's gotten a little bit obscure. Yeah. What about the uh, the Rex Grossman year? What would you give up to get that oh, win? God, that Super Bowl, man! I was I was I was a kid then, and that was I remember watching uh, Devin Hester run that back for a touchdown, and I thought right there, I was like, I'm gonna see a Bears championship. I'm gonna see a Bears championship. This is it. What would I give up for that? Oof. Um, man, we don't really. Unfortunately, we don't really have a lot of championships recently to give up. Uh, <laughs> But you I have uh, all the Blackhawks again. Now are the oh, are the Bulls are the Bulls untouchable? Are the Bulls three and three? Are those untouchable for you? You're like, don't I can't touch those. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it because yeah. I don't think. I mean, I, as as great as Michael was, I mean, I don't. If if he didn't go six and six, I mean, that that's what makes you know LeBron. You know why people won't let LeBron touch Jordan for some reason. Yeah, because Jordan Jordan went six for six in championships, and there's reason to believe that he could have gone eight for eight in championships. You know, and and like I, I just don't think you can get give those up. Those are those are the six of the most important championships in the history of sports. Realistically, those yeah. those cemented they, those changed a sport. So mm-hmm. I, I I I don't know. I I think it's hard for Chicago sports because as storied and as you know fanatical as we are, we don't really have a lot of titles recently outside of hockey. And who gives a shit about hockey? So it's. <laughs> Yeah, I, t- I try to give the sharks love, but then I'm like, well, <laughs> but then they're the sharks. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to get into hockey. It's also for me, and I know Raymond. I feel like I feel like you feel the same way. Not quite as fanatical, but very close. I have a really hard time rooting for teams that aren't like specifically associated with San Francisco. You know, like, I, I don't root for the Raiders. I don't root for the A's. I like the Warriors because it's the one team that the, the whole Bay rallies around, and that's the point. And I also know that they're coming back to San Francisco, which makes me super happy. So it's, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, I, I feel like you feel the, the 49ers five are untouchable. I would never trade those for any championships in any of the other teams. And the thing about it is is that, the like, the 49, when the 49ers are – First of all, even though they're in the dumps, they're still what the top five richest football franchises in in the country right now. I mean, they're still just equally as prevalent. Like no matter how crappy they are, they're still on every commercial. You see the ra- like you always see you see several franchises almost every single time. You see the Niners, you'll see the Cowboys, you'll see the Bears, you'll see the Giants, and like the Packers. Like you pretty much are gonna see those five logos almost every commercial. The Pats will get in there a lot, especially when they win a Super Bowl, like they're doing right now. You're seeing them everywhere. But like on yeah. any given year, you're always going to see – on any given like national NFL commercial with the brands, you're always going to see – you're going to see the Niners, the Cowboys, the Bears, the Packers, and the Giants. Like you're pretty much guaranteed to always see those guys. You'll see the Steelers a lot too. Um a, t- a ton you know you definitely see a lot of Steelers too but like it's always like those same teams over and over and over again you know if the Seahawks do good then the Seahawks will be there for that year if the Bengals do good they'll be there for that one year but then even on those down years even with as dismal as the Bears or like the Niners are in any given year there's still those logos are on every single commercial for the for the sport oh you yeah know? 
and it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Uh, you mentioned the Seahawks. It's kind of amazing how like the, the, they get two years of going down, and you realize how little the NFL cares. Like it's it's so it's it's actually amazing to see because I also don't like the Seahawks at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's actually amazing to see how like the second they start going down, even though Russell Wilson's still a freak of nature, you know, it, it suddenly the NFL's like, oh, okay, we don't really care. You don't have Marshawn Lynch anymore. Whatever. Your defense is getting old. Who cares? So it's it's good. That's good to see. That makes me happy. That makes me happy too. I agree. Exactly. <laughs> I think the NFL is better when the Seahawks aren't good. <laughs> I, I yes. Mean, if, I, yeah. Anything to get that god awful neon green out of the spotlight. Those are. The, oh no, not for you. Oh man, that neon green, man. I'm like, dude, that that that's that kind of shit belongs in college. This is not college, man. Come on, get that out of here. Back at those those uh, Dion Branch neon green gloves you used to wear. It's like, oh, good, everyone can see you holding all the time. That's fantastic. That's a good call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so let's move on. Let's get let's get back. Let's go. Let's go to our 49ers Bears reconciliation. So let's get back to this. There's been a lot of different speculation going on. The Niners were bluffing, and then from the Bears camp, they were you know the Niners weren't. I heard a really interesting podcast the other day. It's from the 49 it's 49ers Insiders with Matt Mayoko. And he had on there was a reporter, a national reporter that he had on. And uh, his name, I'm gonna tell you guys his name right now. Peter King. He had Peter King on. And Peter King Talk. Yeah, he he uh, he, uh, he sat and wanted to be inside for the entire draft. And for the 49ers. And so they they had him on and it was really interesting to hear him to hear him talk about this, talk about this, uh, this situation here. And apparently it was true that there were other teams circling around the number two spot because the Niners had made a pretty big that it wasn't a bluff, that it wasn't a buff. And, and but it wasn't it wasn't even necessarily that. It maybe it was it was a combination of John Lynch was calling teams and saying, "Hey, do you want the number two spot? Do you want it?" And he was calling teams, and teams were calling him. And the and pretty much the big thing it was it was you know the only game changer was going to be Miles Garrett. But uh, you were the first you were one of the first people to really say, uh, at least on the Goldcats, Max, that the Bears you know that there were other teams com- competitively going for it because i know there was a couple different reports were saying no one was really interested but the bears so why'd they make the trade the 49ers weren't going to go for mitch trubisky anyway so i want to know how you feel hearing that well i think it's it's validating uh, i i think because because my my point was it it wouldn't make absolutely any sense for them to not have at least decent reason to believe that because they gave up it they gave up a pretty hefty amount you know they gave up a pretty hefty amount and if it's the guy you want and you think somebody's going to take it ahead of you, you have to oversell. You have to do that. So they gave them more than other than than another team would have been willing to give them. And and the Niners knew that when getting that pick that they could that they were literally going to get the same guy that they would have gotten anyway. So so first off, it's a great call by San Francisco. It's a great call by San Francisco to get their guy outside of Miles Garrett who I'd have to imagine was number 1 on their board. 
Um, and if not, also, who cares? That's awesome. Um, but they got their guy, and they got him at three. And they went with a team like the Bears who were able to say, hey, you just move back one spot. We won't take your guy. You're not going to take our guy. That's great. So come back. Take that. Don't give your picks away so you miss out on the guy that you believe to be a, a huge staple of your franchise. And I just think it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, because I, I, looking at looking at Pace's draft last year and how he was able to maneuver with his picks last year, trading up to get you know uh, uh, Floyd, but using a pretty good trade, it wasn't out of it wasn't out of nowhere, and and he's had a pretty good history in the past, and so I couldn't imagine you know Pace doing something that outlandish. It just didn't make sense to me. Maybe a little bit out of the ordinary for Pace, um, but I, I it just didn't it just didn't make sense to me. It just, it was it was. Sort of like people trying to pick to pick a fight with the Bears to pick on them for taking a quarterback that a lot of people don't think is very good. Which I will give that to the, to you if that's what you think. I I'm one of those people that agrees. I think it works out though because uh, they paid for a quarterback and they didn't. They gave him backup money because backup money is apparently you know seven million these days or more. Oh yeah, and he signed for a two year deal, so that means Trubisky's going to learn under him for the first year you know, if not compete. And then then they're you know, then they're gonna have a choice to make at the end of this season whether he's ready or not to, to go to go or to learn learn for one more year. And Fox no, buys I, himself a couple more years <laughs> out of his tenure. No, and I agree with that. I think I mean again, I wasn't one of those people that's like, well then why'd they sign, you know, Mike Glennon? And like do not understand how the NFL works. Like I, I've always been one of those people and maybe I'm in the minority here, but I've always been one of those people that it doesn't matter how high your quarterback is drafted. It doesn't matter how high anything. Unless he earns that job and is clearly better than the guy in front of him, you always want him to sit. You always want him to learn the pace of the game. Sure, if you can throw him in later on in the season, that's great. But too often, how many times do we see quarterbacks get drafted really early that aren't Cam Newton and freak athletes that, like, don't have to worry as much about that. But how many times you see quarterback go in and get scared and get freaked out? You get, you know, David Carr's, regardless of how, you know, shitty you think he was, he was sacked so often early on in his career that it didn't really matter. If you throw a guy in that doesn't have any time to come in and learn, you're, you know, it's, it's pointless. And, and the, the, the number one thing people say about Mike Lennon is how much of a consummate professional he is, how, 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 how studious he is, how often he's in there. And that's a guy you want to learn from. Listening to Mitch Trubisky is like listening to nails on a chalkboard. He sounds like the dumbest human being on earth. And so if that's one thing I can take from it, if he can learn from a guy like Mike Lennon, become studious, become, you know, become a, a, a you know, a, a man of the game, like, that's great. I would love him to sit for two years. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Of course, he was behind Brett Favre, but if Brett Favre didn't tell him a single thing. Brett Favre hated that he was there, you know? And so if you look at stuff like that, that's always what I go to. Aaron Rodgers is my is is I hate him so much because he's a Packer, but that's the guy I always emulate. And if I can get my quarterback to learn any way in shape or form like that, that's what I'm going to go with. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that too. I always think that I agree 100%. It's better to take your rookie quarterback, have him sit on the bench and learn. And I always think about the um, Aaron Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. I've said this. I want to hear what you think about this. I've heard a couple varying arguments other directions, but. I've often said that in an alternate universe, the 49ers picked Aaron Rodgers first, and then the Packers picked Alex Smith. And in that universe, people are talking about how great of a quarterback Alex Smith is and always are wondering the big what if of what Aaron Rodgers could have been. And they ask, why didn't the Niners pick Alex Smith instead of Aaron Rodgers? Do you agree with that? 
I uh, I don't think I think two things. I think that Alex Smith doesn't get that far because I think the thing people forget about is I think a lot of people had Alex Smith higher up on their boards than Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't. I think that I think that if you believe, uh, I think that they that other teams would have taken a chance on uh, Alex Smith before Aaron Rodgers. I think that he would have been drafted higher. But I also Aaron Rodgers is a more physically gifted athlete. He's a more physically gifted quarterback. Um, I do think that it would have done wonders for Alex Smith to sit behind Brett Favre, and perhaps he could have become something like an ultimate game manager. But his arm is very limited, and always has been to a point limited. Not as much in his later years, but early, but earlier on, it was it was you know it was still a decent arm. But he's 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 he hasn't had Aaron Rodgers type of capabilities. Um, but I do think it's interesting to see where their where their careers go. I, I think the question to be asked is, does Aaron Rodgers suffer a major injury early on? I think that could be a more doable question. Right, and and how does how does Rodgers do? You know, changing offensive coordinators for six, seven straight years. Yeah. No, ex- exactly. Because the thing, I mean, and then what does he do Alex, under Harbaugh? What does Aaron Rodgers yeah. do under Harbaugh? Oh know? God, I would have oh, loved Jesus to see that. <laughs> could you imagine? imagine the coach. Jesus Christ, he gets like he's the only reason that McCarthy has been a coach for this long. It's unreal to me that that man is still a head coach. He has thrived off of having a good coordinator occasionally, and then Aaron Rodgers, and having a, a wonderful ownership. I hate the Packers because they're so wonderfully run as a team. It's ridiculous, and they still keep McCarthy around. I don't know why. Well, you know, I think the the the, the main thing which which I feel I still feel Chicago needs to get back to, and I want to ask you a little bit about this in a second, going back to the draft. But the main thing that the Packers just const- consistently overlook is a defense. You know, the, the when they when they won when they won their one Super Bowl, their defense was ranked five, I believe, and then the following year it was twenty two. And they've never gone back mm-hmm. to a top five defense. And we always say defense wins championships. The Bears won on what even by my father's estimate is still he still considers to be the greatest defense he's ever seen. And that was the 85 Bears. Going back to your draft, because uh, I, I didn't pay close attention. How did you guys do for the rest? Because like ours was clearly we're trying to get an NFC West defense put back together. Because that's mm-hmm. NFC West is all about defenses. And, you know, we, we, it's we, we, you know, we. We made a – the whole first half of this decade was all about destroying the, the spirit and souls of any offense that went into the NFC West. And clearly the 49ers are trying to get back to that with John Lynch at the helm. Uh, how, how did you guys do? And where's the state of the defense stand after the draft? Uh, well, for, so, so for me, I was a little upset with the fact that we went one defender in the entire draft. And it was, uh, it was the safety out of Alabama who had broken his leg last year and had an ACL tear, I think, about two and a half, three years ago. Uh, and that was it. That was all. That was the only thing we addressed. Wow. And wow. yeah. And so that's that's sort of an issue in its in itself. Um, but one thing that I was thinking about that 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 I really started thinking more and more after I saw the draft it was almost all offensive players. Um, but our offense is. I, I I truly believe that. I mean, especially with with Vic Fangio and with John Fox, who are defensive oriented guys. You have to imagine that they were in the years of the GM wanting to get something like this done. And then there came a story outside of the draft, like after the draft, that Fox was a little bit upset with whatever. But again, this is all just yapping. You never really know what's happening. For me, what I believe, I think that that they truly believe that they have at least the makings of a defense that they want. Because Because our defense, outside of our defensive backs, and if Trevathan is healthy... And he is going to be a little bit gimpy coming up on the beginning of the year. They're not sure if he's going to be able to start the beginning of the season. Um, but they, I like our front seven. I really do. I think we have. I think we do have a talented front seven. 
Um, you know, Floyd, our first round pick last year, uh, outside of that scary injury he had, you know, he, he really came on. He had a couple of great games. He had a great sack strip touchdown, you know, in, and I can't remember which game it was. I want to say it was about week 13, week 14. Um, and I think that they truly have confidence in their defense. I'm upset with our cornerbacks and defensive backs entirely. We just didn't address that at all. We drafted one safety, you know, and he's an injury and he's an injured safety. Um, but, but I, I, I have to believe, and, and I did think this, even coming in, I'm like, man, I like our defense. Last year, I liked our defense, but defense, but our backs just couldn't cover. And, and you know, we, we got Demps out of uh, Texas, who had a career year last year. He had a great year, but he's 31, you know? And, and, and I'm not sure. I guess they're sort of trying to coast on what they have. But, I, I mean, if there's no one to cover anybody, it doesn't, ma- it doesn't really matter. But, you know, maybe they think that they found diamonds in the rough out, you know, in, in free agency. Um, I just think that that was a, a huge overlook on us. Did they get any backs in free agency? Uh, we got Demps out of uh, Texas. We grabbed uh, we grabbed um, uh, uh, Prince of Mukamara, who is another great signing, great under the oh, radar. That is signing. a good signing. He uh, and that was another pick that I was really excited about. And the thing about the Bears is is they're qu- they quietly grabbed a couple of really good guys. Uh, Dempsey, even though being 31 and he didn't come off a career year, and anybody that watches baseball knows anything about statistics knows that it's, you got to be wary about a guy that sort of you know has an outlier year and then you jump on him right afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but Prince of Mukamara, I really liked that signing. You know, it's it's just very hard too because we got a lot of undrafted free agents manning back there. We we I think we had two undrafted free agents starting at corner last year at some point, and that's a crazy thing. It, it, undrafted undrafted rookie free agents. You're definitely playing with fire, and <laughs> you're gambling a lot and expecting a lot out of two undrafted rookie free uh, free agents at that point. So let me ask you this though, see because. That was that was our biggest need, and that and we had a suspicion in our draft based on the fact that we went we went really offensive minded in the free agency. We we got the Baltimore Ravens All Pro center. I, I still don't know why Baltimore traded him. I guess it was a cap casualty. Is that right, Ray? What's who? Which one? Uh, Baltimore center. We got their All Pro center. Remember? They, yeah, we got him. Yeah, yeah. They, we yeah we traded for Baltimore center, who is an alternate uh, for the Pro Bowl. Then. We got Pierre Garçon, and and then mm-hmm. and then Ray rattle off a couple. We got a couple other guys. Rattle off some of the other free agents we got in free agency. For- we got Kyle Yusek, um, which was a big pickup. Uh, he was the Pro Bowl young, a young Pro Bowl fullback, but he was underutilized in the Raven system, and I think he'll be um, much more exploited under Kyle Shanahan's system. He's primarily a oh, yeah, blocker. Great- he did he did have touchdowns and. and- he's a great pass catching. Uh, he's a great yeah. pass catching back too. They really, they, like, they, I think he had the most catches for any fullback last year, like, by a lot. He had, like, 40 or something ridiculous like that. Right, which for a fullback is a lot. <clears throat> yeah, so, so the, um, he, go ahead, Ray. No, go, go ahead. Okay, so, so then we, you know, going back to the draft, we get Solomon Thomas, who's arguably one of the strongest defensive ends, you know, coming out of college. And then, obviously, we use the Chicago picks to get... Ruben Foster and Ruben Foster was huge because we, you know, we've been we've been saying this for a couple of years in San Francisco, uh, not only on the Goldcast but just amongst friends. Like the the Forty ers have never addressed the loss of Patrick Willis. Like we've never addressed it, and I think we kind of were hoping that Navarro Bowman would you know step up. We we're and, also blindsided by the retirement of what's his name, Chris Borland. Yeah, Borland's yeah, retirement. That was who we thought we were going to get. Who was on pace to just 
keep the boat flowing floating but yeah well we also were we also were blindsided by the retirement of patrick willis <laughs> you know both of them, right <laughs> you know and uh so reuben foster really I think Reuben Foster and Solomon Thomas, you know, having a defensive end and then your uh, inside linebacker, it really addresses those needs because we can't also trust Navarro Bowman at this point. And the thing that I was really excited about is I felt like the Niners really went defensive-minded on the first half of the draft and the second half of the draft started ad- addressing more um, offensive issues. Raymond, did you hear about uh, Joe Williams, the running back? Yeah. You hear about the story behind this guy? Yes. Yeah. I got no issue with it. Uh, Max, did you hear about the story with this guy? Uh, is that the Utah running back? The one, yeah, the one who who had gotten who uh, had gotten cut and was got found. He was like using a uh, someone else's credit card. Did you hear about this? Like another teammate's no, credit no. card. Yeah, it was like his freshman year or something. Yeah, and he he wasn't even on the draft board at all. And apparently, Kyle Shanahan told John Lynch. He said, uh, "Is it, I think it was the." Second or third day, right? Maybe second day. When did we pick him up? Second or third day? It's all becoming a blur uh, at this he point. Was... I know. <laughs> Got to be third day, I think. I think it was. I think it was. A, I think it was a fifth, fourth, fifth round pick. I think so too, because he Kyle Kyle said he told John he looked at all of the tape, and I don't know what it is about this kid, but he told he told Lynch he goes, if you get him, I do not care who you pick up for the rest of the draft. All right. Now Peter King is telling the story on, on that on that 49ers insider and, and I'm I'm loving this. He 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 so John Lynch, like he John Lynch is really not sure about this guy. So he gets on the phone and he call he calls up the kid and he they're on the phone, I, I don't even know. It, it's some ridiculous amount of time. And I guess he's like, you know, I'm in therapy now and I started realizing all of this stems from the death of my sister. Uh, you know, she died when we were real young, and I kind of carried all this like unnecessary fault and rage and blame, like blame on myself, and and all of this is stemming from from these issues. And and you know, he's like, you know, I I've, I've been in therapy for months now, and I'm really turning a corner. And if if you guys want to give me a chance, you know, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, you know, I I would love to come play for the 49ers. And so Lynch is just kind of listening, listening, listening. And, you know, and he's like, all right, you know, you know, Kyle wants you, you know, like he really, really wants you. And so then Kyle just makes a decision and, and then they, and they, uh, they, they go for him. And then that was like the one dude, that was like the one guy, but they, but they said that it, it, in hours, I'm not sure how, how it works over there in, uh, in Chicago, but they were asking, you know, who's making the decisions. They said it was extremely cohesive among Lynch and, and Shanahan. There was a lot of back and forth. There wasn't really any fighting. There was a more more just, you know, it was very much a, a team effort. But I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, all right, all right, well, this. I mean, there's something about this guy. It was, same, it was similar with that quarterback we drafted. There was just something about that guy that Kyle really liked. It was the only quarterback he he wanted. I got to ask you this. I, 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 gotta, I, I do have to admit, I, I was a little disappointed in the Chicago – the the Chicago fans out there when they booed Mitch Trubisky, I thought I thought that was rough, man. Oh. Come on, like don't boo no, the it's, kid. It's 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 hard because I feel bad too. I was like, it's not his fault. He didn't draft himself to our team, and 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 I get that. I hated the pick. I hated the pick, and I was so against it. But you know, I think the main thing is is you have to. I don't want to become Philly fans. 
I do not want to become Philadelphia Eagles fans. I don't want to hate my team more than any other team hates my team. Like, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so, so I had to like sit down and I was like, Hey, you know, we don't know anything about him. We don't know anything about him. We don't know what he can produce. There's no point in hating him yet. You know, it's just, but it's, it's, it's his big, dumb smile. It's him talking. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, all of the cards are just not looking great right now, <laughs> but you have to stop. You have to put yourself back and you got to be like, okay, okay. We don't know. We don't know. You know how many people like, it was like the Eli Manning thing. Eli Manning, everybody like Eli Manning looked like a huge douche as much as you guys might hate Eli Manning. Eli Manning looked like a huge douche for forever. And then he won two championships and you're like, all right, but how much did Eli Manning win two championships? And how much did just like incredible things win two championships? It doesn't matter. Doesn't but like, matter. you know, you can't, you can't, ju- you can't judge him yet. You don't know what he can develop into. And I think as Chicago, we have to give him a break. I sure hope that on his, the first game he plays, first time they introduce him in the stadium, first game he goes out and starts that we're able to cheer for him, freak out for him, lose our shit over him, girls wear Trubisky jerseys and be like, he's so hot. Like, I hope we do all of that shit. Because I think he totally deserves that. Uh, he deserves a chance. And when he fucks up, it's not his fault he fucked up. It's our, it's, it's the GM's fault. It's for drafting him. It's because it wasn't the right spot. But, I, you know, you, you can only blame the kids so much. And I think the most important thing he has going for him is he's not Jay Cutler. So, Man, I mean, Jay Cutler. I, I have never, you know, we, we barely touched him. And made out like a bandit. Oh, he got all that money. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, uh, God, who was that coach? I, I, I have, like, blocked him out of my mind. He got fired from Trustman. Trustman. Mark Trustman. Yep. When Mark, oh, I'll never forget. When Mark Trussman gave him that contract, I was like, "What are you doing? You give a you give a contract like this to based a, based on potential, based only. on potential, <laughs> not on previous experience or past results." I was like, "What?" It was very similar when they gave it to Romo. They gave that to Romo, and I remember at the time when when Dallas gave that to Romo, we were saying, "This is the dumbest decision ever. He's done nothing." And then they figured out, "Oh, you know, they they kind of went with the NFC West." Power running style, game manager, reduce reduce his role to like fifty percent, and then and then he really thrived in that system, you know. But when they first gave that that one to Romo, that didn't make any sense. When they gave that to Cutler, I thought, oh my god, this is the worst decision ever. How did how, how did you feel, I mean, and how do you feel now that he's gone? I mean, I I've always been, and I, you've known this, Rudy. We've talked about this. I've always been a huge Jay Cutler guy, <laughs> I, I, because I have. Because I have never seen a better quarterback play for my team. And that's disgusting. That's a terrifying thing. When, like, I've said this before, he was, his arm, he would make plays. I remember watching him, it was a Steelers game. I remember him, I remember him running for like 20 yards and then throwing a shoulder into a Pittsburgh Steelers defensive back instead of going down. And it was the best thing ever. And that's the stuff that I remember about Jay Cutler. That's the stuff that I love. Is people will talk all the time about like how he didn't look enthused or whatever, but that guy got hit a lot. That guy got hit a lot, and he stuck in there. And honestly, we did not put a good team around him. You know, since the Lovey Smith years, since since Lovey Smith stopped, his defenses couldn't play anymore. And then we kept trying to find other coaches who couldn't coach, and we just kept doing that. You know, he just was never in a very good position. I don't, and and I've said this before to people who talk about how great, who talk about how great, you know, uh, uh, someone like Tom Brady is. If you throw. If you throw Jay Cutler and his arm talent with a guy like Belichick, with his coordinators he's coached, with his coordinators he's had over the years, who knows what he could have done? 
He was never in the right situation. You don't give a guy like that, like that, that money because who are we to say that we could finally find the right coordinator? You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot like the Alex Smith thing early on with the Niners. You know, we're like, you just keep trying to throw coordinators with him. Keep trying to throw coordinators with him and nothing's sticking. We had, we had, uh, we had Mike Martz at one point trying his best and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It just wasn't a good fit. And, uh, that contract was an issue, but that's what quarterbacks go for now. Yeah, Look at the block. Like it's, it, like it's, deal. it's it incentivized the, the part of Jay Cutler that sometimes quits too early or, or it gets complacent. It, no, that's it's true. Think true i think that's i think that's a fair thing to think about because it, it's i and i and i and i did over time realize you know it, he's not the type of guy he's not looking at it, looking him play against someone like philip rivers that's when he would get the intensities when he got to play against philip rivers when he got to play against them like that but it's not like philip rivers playing a hundred percent of the time philip rivers playing you know every game even when he's down 30 points like he's gonna win the game you know, mm-hmm. and I think that was what Chicago wanted and needed was a Philip Rivers type of energy, a, a Jim McMahon type of energy. And we haven't gotten that. And we don't know. And maybe Trubisky can be that guy. But we need somebody with that type of passion. And I think that's why Chicago got so mad at him. Yeah, I think that's understandable, too, man. I mean, it just it just did. It seems so often that he just wasn't very interested in playing football. You know, but um, again, I again, no hard feelings for Jay. I'll, I'll love Jay. Glad you're gone, but I love you. Uh, thank you for for putting up good years. <laughs> so all right years, moderate years, decent years. No, bad years. That's okay. <laughs> so let's move on, guys. Let's move to the NBA. So uh, start starting with let's start with the East with 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 your guys. Man, Rajon Rondo goes down. I no, mean, I think if that guy stayed, you guys are you guys are in it to win it right now. What do you think? It's 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 really funny because I mean I the East is so close to each other in terms of who can beat anybody on a given day. If we had Rondo, I mean I still don't know if we sweep the series. I still think that there's a possibility that the Celtics come back and win too uh, in Chicago, but I think it's a much different series. Once Rondo went down, you can tell a breath of air went out, you know, because the way he was playing, he was he was putting up almost a triple double, you know, and mm-hmm. and. As a guy that wasn't even playing a month before that, a month before that, the guy was sitting on the bench, you know, and he was bringing this energy. He was bringing this this fight to the team. And, and once he went down, it was just bad. But if he was in, there's no reason to believe that we couldn't be playing, you know, the Cavaliers, uh, you know, next week. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, the, the thing that sucks, though, is that all the teams underneath the Cavs are Man, like you said, they're so close to one another, but then nobody's even remotely on the level of the Cleveland Cavaliers. But the Celtics are the number one seed. Don't forget that. For but it's it's a lot like the number one seed when uh, the Bulls uh, when they before it was the, the year the playoffs the year before Rose tears his ACL. They, I compare them, and me and my friends have talked about it a lot. It's a lot like that Bulls team where they put up the most wins. They looked really great during the regular season. But once it comes down to them playing LeBron, that's a totally different animal. Because the thing no one ever wants to talk about, LeBron in the playoffs is, like, outside of Jordan, one of the greatest things we've ever seen in our generation. That just doesn't happen. How he plays when he gets in the playoffs is gnarly, especially, at, you know, especially lately. Yeah. And yeah. I just... Go ahead. Go ahead. He's playing at a pretty high level right now. He is. Oh, he's... dude, it's ridiculous. 
You know what else it reminds me of? It reminds me of the year the Indiana Pacers fought for first place. Remember that when they were like, we have to get first. We, they really felt like if they could take first in the East, they could defeat LeBron. And this was against the Heat. I want to say the 20, uh, maybe 2013. I can't remember which year it was. Yeah. Was it the tw- year before Paul George's injury? Yeah. Yeah. And remember that? They were like, we need first place. We need first place. All year, they'd been racing with Miami to get first place. And then they got first place, and then they just fell apart. They just fell apart when they got to, when they ran into Miami. It was just, it was pathetic. I was like, what was all of that work for? <laughs> no, it's, it's a lot like, it's not like pop. It's like, it's like pop Spurs teams. Like, it's very rare. Does he even care about getting the number one seed? Like, it gets to the end of the season. It's like, but you still don't have a seed locked in. He's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll find a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, hey, who do you think who do you think's going to get out of the West between the Spurs and the Rockets? I I I I want to hear your you first, and then and then we'll go. Uh, I I mean, I hope for a series' sake um, that it's the Spurs, um, just because I want to see that series. I, I know that the Warriors are going to win it, regardless of who they play against. I don't think it'll be as fun of a series or as good of a series if the Rockets advance. Uh, I just don't. I mean, I think the Warriors have way too many answers, you know, um, but I think at least with the Spurs, you'll see a lot of strategy going into it. You'll see a lot of Popovich doing Popovich. And I just want to see Kawhi on Durant. I want to see Kawhi on on, on uh, Steph. But I, I really do think it's going to be the Spurs. Um, but as of right now, I mean, I thought it was absolutely the Spurs. And then, you know, the the, the Rockets just, you know, keep coming. And I don't know. I, th- I think it'll go seven games. I do think it'll go seven games. The problem with the Spurs is Aldridge is soft and Parker's out and Ginobili's old with little spurts of, of his previous form. So, and the supporting cast is good enough because they play good enough defense and that defense helps offset the, their, the, the lack of offense that they have or that they don't mm-hmm. have in, in relative to the Warriors and the Rockets. But I'm not sure if they have enough what is it stamina to outlast the Rockets at this point, but I could see the Rockets totally blowing it because I don't trust D'Antoni really. No, no, no. It's been, it's, it's, it's been since, what has it been? I can't even believe it. He, he went with the Rockets. I don't, when has he coached a playoff team outside of the, the Phoenix Suns? When's the he last time he coached, he coached a playoff team? No, you know, his, his LA tenure was dismal. Then he was, where else was he outside of that? He went didn't he go uh, New, York. Phoenix, uh, New York? Yeah. New York. He went to New York. Yeah, and that was dismal. And and, and now he's finally well, you know, but the Rockets, hey, I mean, is isn't is James Harden not the the perfect prototypical kind of player that Mike D'Antoni wants? A super offensive minded oh, guy who hates defense? I mean, isn't that isn't that him as a coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and, and and the great thing to offset that though is then he's got, you know, Beverly, who's an absolute dog defensively. That guy fights harder than anybody defensively on the perimeter, and like that's that's why it works out so well. It's very rarely does D'Antoni get a guy like that, you know, because that that'll be another good matchup for uh, for the Warriors. I think that'll be a fun matchup to watch him on Steph. I mean, Steph's still gonna do Steph, but I mean, I think that's where he's got one of the things on his benefit. That's why Harden can, you know, slack on defense half the game. <laughs> you mean walk walk back to the other side of the court? <laughs> yeah, oh, but I, I agree with you, Max. That I think San Antonio will, will put up a better fight than if Houston goes because the Warriors got Houston's number. I mean, they've they've won one game in the last like what ten contests. So 
dating back for the last like three years straight. So I just you know Harden does oh, not yeah. does not typically play well against the Warriors. Clay Thompson is usually on him, and Clay's a great defender, a very underrated defender because he's not as flashy or as boisterous as Draymond Green. But outside of Kawhi Leonard, um, he's probably the next best in line at, at that position uh, defensively. Oh, and you so, wouldn't give Butler? You wouldn't give Jimmy buckets? Jimmy, Jimmy's good too, but he's no Clay. Clay's you don't think package. he's as good as Clay? Oh, that's a that. This is this is another. I don't watch. Discussion. I don't watch that's him enough to know. Ah, oh, dude, Jimmy's Jimmy's all we got. <laughs> give me Jimmy. <laughs> Just give me Jimmy. <laughs> give me Jimmy. <laughs> give me Jimmy. <laughs> Okay, so Ray, let me ask you. Let's turn it to you, Ray. Who, who, who do you think is going to come out of uh, Texas? God, that's a tough one. Um, I almost feel like the Spurs are really starting to run out of gas. That's the the impression I get. And when Tony Parker went down, I really felt like that was that was going to be like the symbolic, the symbolic, you know. Notes that that the symbol that uh, that the the San Antonio Spurs, you know, outside of Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills, who's actually doing pretty good, um, but that but the fact that Lamarcus Aldridge isn't the dominant inside big man that they were hoping him to be, and that he's not as consistent and as good as as like say you know Tim Duncan, um, that's that kind of derails you know what their their ability to sustain themselves in the playoffs and then couple in the fact that Parker's on his way out and Ginobili's right behind him, you know, unless they continue to play him off the bench like they do to, to give him some longevity, maybe another year or two. But I feel like this team's done. So I'm going to, I'm going to go Rockets and then Rockets are probably going to get smashed. <laughs> I, I picked, I picked the Rockets from the beginning. That was the first, and for a lot of the same reasons, I just, I, I do, I do not question the defensive prowess of, of this Spurs team, I do feel like the pieces aren't all gelling the way they want them to, and I just kind of the same thing. I feel like the offensive overload of the Rockets would outpace the age of the Spurs, you know. And and then, but who knows? Once I I was just like you, Max. Once I saw the Spurs win Game Three, and then the fashion that they did, I thought, oh, this is over. This is like over. Like the the. The, the the Rockets are going to lay down and die. And then they come back and win game four, and now I'm just like throwing my hands up in the air going, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think it goes seven games. Um, I think seven, too. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my pick of the Rockets because that's who I picked. I don't I don't like to renege. Once, I'm, once I've made a choice, like I like to just stick with it, come hell or high water. But uh, I think it's easily the most interesting series left. Do you think – now let's, let's go back to the East for a second – do Ray? We'll start with you. Do you think Washington's gonna gonna defeat the Celtics? Boston, you think? I don't know. Um, even though both teams are kind of one man shows, but I feel like John Wall's a, a bit more dynamic than uh, than Isaiah Thomas. But Isaiah Thomas can has the ability to take over a game uh, single handedly, and John John Wall can do that as well, and has really good speed. And and knows how to distribute the ball really well. So I don't know. It's it's a toss up because they're they're both up and coming teams. They're they're kind of on a similar path, similar trajectory. Like they both kind of rising at the same time um, this year. And so it's it's hard to to pinpoint where they're going to go. I think either way, either one of those teams is going to give the Cavs a little bit more uh, of a challenge than what they've faced thus far. 
It's hard to say. I want to I want to say Celtics, but uh, because I feel like even though the the ill-timed death of Isaiah Thomas's sister seemed to seem like a hindrance, it seems like now it's inspiring him. So and and that could it, as odd as it is to 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 factor that in, it's uh, it's something to 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 not forget. You almost want to root for him because of such a tragedy. You're going, well, if he's using this tragedy to lift him up, you want to see him pull it off. And well, yeah, and and he proved that on her birthday, he put up 50, 53 points. <clears throat> well, my concern though is that you know after he fell and lost those teeth, he has a fractured jaw right now. I'm just wondering. I'm kind of the same thing. I'm wondering like, is it, does Isaiah hit a wall? And does it happen in this? Does it happen in this series, or if he wins, does it happen in the next series? Max, what are your thoughts? Uh, I I mean. The thing is, is especially watching since you know watching us play the Celtics, their bench. If it's it's all it all comes down to their bench. If their bench is on, if their bench is performing, if they got you know Marcus Smart and 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 Olenek or, or Zeller, whoever's coming off the bench, if their bench is performing, you know they have a superior bench to Washington. Um, but uh, I, I I mean I think regardless, Isaiah runs out of steam at some point, and and I would way prefer it to, for them to beat the Wizards. And be able to at least see, you know, a semblance of Isaiah versus, you know, the the Cavaliers. But I, I really think that once it comes down to the playoffs, it, it doesn't even matter who ends up winning this series. I, I can't imagine it not being Cleveland versus, you know, uh, uh, Cleveland versus the Warriors. I just I just can't. I don't even know what I would do. I'd be like, now what am I going to do? Because <laughs> it just it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah, no. the, the, I've, I think I think I, I want to say Celtics, but, you know, the Wizards have actually played the Cavaliers a lot better than the Celtics have. Both teams have beat them, but I feel like the Wizards have played them better um, more consistently yeah, than the Celtics that, have gotten blown out by them. Yeah, that John Wall that John Wall versus Kyrie battle would be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that would be crazy, but I, I it's not happening. Not this year. <laughs> I think Cleveland and, and Golden State are headed again. I Seeing how dominant LeBron James has been, during during this post, it freaks me out. I mean, he looked pretty pretty unstoppable uh, last year. I mean, my my biggest the thing I'm holding on to is that the Cavs don't play a lot of defense. And if Kevin Durant can channel that OKC defensive beast from last year, and 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 use that in in that game, I just don't see I just don't see how defensively Cleveland has an answer for for the four headed monster, you know, of of Steph. KD, Clay, and Draymond Green. I just, I just don't see oh, yeah. it. And if, and if, if KD channels last year's KD in OK in that OKC series where where that we they, we they took the Warriors all the way to seven, I don't know how you stop. I don't know how you stop KD and Draymond defensively in that situation. And and if if Clay's coming in uh, and pulling his weight, I, I just don't see how. I just, I feel like the the Warriors win that series if if they can do all of that. That's easier said than done against LeBron James, but that's like my hope as a as a Golden State fan. I think I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion that that's going to happen because KD has already had his career best year in defensive statistics, so he's already playing good because he has an amazing cast around him, which a lot which takes the pressure off of him not having to do everything primarily on the offensive side of the ball. And so he's he's more relaxed. I feel like he's more centered and he's it's allowed him to kind of focus on the other parts of his game that, you know, not necessarily weren't terrible, but uh, you know, could obviously use a little bit of attention and he's he's been great defensively. He's career best in blocks, I believe, and steals. <clears throat> 
for him, not 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 like in his position. <clears throat> yeah, no, I think I, I think for me, it, I mean, I can't, I don't see a world. Even when the season started, I couldn't imagine, you know, the the Warriors not winning the series, the, the championship this year. I just couldn't. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but you can never count out LeBron. I think that's the hardest part. Is that is is, and I think people keep forgetting it. Like it literally takes LeBron to get into the playoffs every year for people to to remember who he is as a person and remember what kind of what kind of basketball player he is. And it's like, oh, you're right. He's literally just a championship DNA player. Yeah. And if his and 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 even that is a fun series to watch. But again, you know, Le, you're never going to stop LeBron. LeBron's going to put up good games the entire series. He's going to you know do his averaging a triple double that he does. But that's but that's not the game. The game isn't who has the best player. That's not the game. The game is which is the better team. And defensively, you guys are better. Offensively, you guys are better. Uh, and and outside of realistically a miracle, I can't imagine Cleveland winning. I feel like it almost took a miracle last year to win. I mean, I still think the the, the biggest, most important play LeBron James did was throw Draymond Green on the ground and step over him. I thought that was actually the one of the greatest NBA plays LeBron James has ever done. That and the block last year are like the first two video package moments he's ever had in an NBA Finals for me. Uh, oh, Ray Allen's three. You could also get that's That's the other video package moment you give LeBron James. Ray Allen's three. Oh, that three. I hated that three. I hated that three so much. Oh my god! Hated that three so much. <laughs> I've never hated a three-point shot more than that one. Oh no! Oh god! That's it. I, it haunts me. It haunts me. I was so ready. I was like, yes, yes, and then mm-mm. nope. Yeah, that was, and it just, you, it just, you just, it, it. It took the wind out of the Spurs' sails in, in a way I've never seen before. And then, of course, it drove them to have that incredible season next year and then destroy, just destroy the heat in that final team, which was my— Lashed them. Yeah, and, you know, that was the largest deficit a team has ever lost by in the finals. They just fucking crushed them. Even though they lost the previous year, it was like, um, you got you got seriously lucky last year, and we're, we're going to prove it to you right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a shame they won in the first place, though. It was a shame. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, you know we'll, we'll obviously Goldcast. We'll be back next week to uh, talk a little bit more about this. Uh, before we end, Raymond, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Rudy Solis third at Rudy Solis number three R D Max. Uh, anything to promote, plug, or announce? Where can they find you? Uh, where can they find me? I have nothing, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you guys can go ahead and uh, and find me uh, repping my Chicago Cub championship gear uh, down in K Town. So have a party. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the Voice of the Faithful. I'm your host Rudy Salisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Salisa First, baby. And we'll see you guys next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, this is the Goldcast. <laughs>